You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. With over 8,000 threat hunters analyzing over 65 trillion signals daily, Microsoft works tirelessly with the federal government to keep our nation's data secure. This 30-year-plus partnership is driving mission innovation that is secure by design. Whether optimizing your existing defenses or tackling advanced threats with AI, Microsoft gives you the intelligence and the automation you need to defend at mission scale. Let's work together to stay ahead of emerging threats and secure your mission anywhere. Learn more at aka.ms slash fedcyber. That's aka.ms slash fedcyber. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down threats and vulnerabilities and solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. Don't struggle to align your organization's cybersecurity with business risk. Get the only solution that goes beyond reacting to threats with vulnerability and risk monitoring. You need the next evolution of MDR, and only Critical Start delivers it. Critical Start doesn't just monitor and respond to threats. They put you in control by detecting suspicious activities, quickly responding to contained threats, and identifying your most critical assets and protecting them against vulnerabilities and exposures. With continuous visibility, expert guidance, and measurable risk reduction, Critical Start has redefined what it means to manage cyber risk. Demonstrate provable security maturity to your leadership while positioning your program to achieve the greatest risk reduction per dollar spent. Stop fearing risk and start managing it with Critical Start. Visit criticalstart.com and request a demo today. That's criticalstart.com. So the idea behind supply chain attacks that an attacker abuses a typical deployment vector, such as an update mechanism, a third-party software download, or perhaps infecting a package repository in the hope that an unsuspecting developer might install a particular component and thereby infect his or her own machine. That's Robert Paricha. He's a threat analyst and reverse engineer at Reversing Labs. The research we're discussing today is titled Supply Chain Malware. Detecting malware in package manager repositories. So in this way, these components are really widespread as they affect a multitude of users. So what are some of the popular places that are repositories for these sorts of things? Package repositories typically imply PyPI, uh, Ruby gems, NPM, and so on and so on. But uh, supply chain attacks are not related only to package repositories. They can affect, for example, in the CCleaner case, like popular third-party software distribution repository. And so the notion here is that rather than uh, creating software from scratch, folks can go use these components, these building blocks, and plug them into their own projects. 
Right. So let's go through the work that you did here. Walk us through the analysis that you performed. With supply chains attacks becoming more and more popular, we were interested how hard would it be to find an example of such an attack that was still in the wild. Since there are several types of supply chain attacks, we opted to survey package repositories first. So first in line for review was PyPI, and we modeled a couple of VR rules based on publicly available reports and previous incidents, and then ran the entire PyPI repository through our Titanium platform processing engine to evaluate the rules. In the end, a couple of packages stood out, and after manual review, we confirmed that they were related to previous PyPI incidents, but had not been removed in the cleanup action. Now, one of the things you pointed out here is that typo squatting is a common tactic. Yes, and package repositories can get infected in a couple of ways. One of them is for malicious actors to add additional code to known widely used packages, but this is hard to achieve because uh, popular packages usually go through an extensive review process, for example, on GitHub through pull requests and so on. However, in package repositories such as PyPI, uh, people can upload or submit their own packages with type squatted names uh, without any review process. So for example, you type Django uh, instead of Django and you get a mistype like a typo squat and you rely on the unsuspecting user who will mistype the name and install the malicious package. And what did you see in terms of the frequency of people falling for this? It's a pretty common tactic. Uh, it's an extremely common tactic when it comes to URL type of squatting, mm. like uh, redirecting to malicious URLs and so on. But people mistype all the time, like uh, they try to install all the packages from the requirements.txt file through pip, but they forget to include the .txt file, uh, the .txt extension, and then you actually say, okay, pip install the requirements package. And if a requirements package has a malicious component within it, it would get installed. So yes, this is, I'd say that this would be a common vector. And so for the person who accidentally downloads the misspelled version of this, what can they expect to happen? In this case, malware gets downloaded and installed, but since it's not invoked from the setup by script during the pip installation, it won't get executed out of the box. Though it can be ran as an executable file or by importing the malicious module and invoking the malicious function, the malicious package will not run by itself. The function itself contains an IP address, which has been offline for quite some time. And from that IP address, the malicious function downloads the second stage and persists it as a hidden file, modifies bashrc file to be executed on every terminal or shell open, and that's basically it. We don't have any information about what the second stage actually is or how widespread it really is. Can you walk us through it? What was the process like when you ran this through your own engine to do the analysis? What was going on there? We modeled our uh, detection rules uh, based on previous incidents, and we focused on the entire PyPI package repository. The data set contained around 1.6 million files. That amounts to around 2.6 terabytes of different files, and we essentially just plugged in those Yara rules into our engine and ran the entire sample set. The entire run lasted a bit shorter than a day, and at the end of the day, we had a bunch of matches on different rules that we plugged in. And then we essentially manually reviewed them and found the offending sample. So in terms of a, a percentage of what you found here, is this a relatively infrequent occurrence? Yes, this is an infrequent occurrence. This is not something that is 
commonly done due to the, the, the hardness factor, how hard it is to achieve something like this. Uh, although this script is extremely simple and I expect to see much more of, uh, of such attacks in the future. When you say that the script is simple, what script are you referring to? I'm referring to the actual malicious components being dropped, so the setup by script uh, with I see. Um, malicious communication and persistence. So in terms of this being discovered, as you mentioned, there's no real mechanism for things like this to be scanned when these projects are uploaded. So it's really up to folks like you and, and other people to report them? I suspect that on the package repository side, perhaps some kind of a review process might be implemented, although due to the size of the entire repository and many of the people working there are volunteers, I doubt that that will happen at great scale. One of the ways they can process such an amount of files is to buy such a platform like the one we have and continuously process all the files. And of course, on the developer side, you actually have to check what you're downloading, what you're installing and so on. So in terms of best ways for folks to protect themselves against this sort of thing, what do you recommend? When you're installing new packages, you could be on the lookout for suspicious network connections and transfers and not initiated by BIP itself. You can also be careful about what you type and how you type it. It would be great if there was a way for public repositories to enforce some kind of content checks, like the continuous processing efforts. However, that's probably not applicable. And on the developer side, for example, in large software companies and so on, some kind of an approval of uh, used modules would be nice. We haven't covered, for example, what other types of files uh, we found in the uh, entire sample set. So one would expect, for example, that uh, a Python package repository contains mostly Python files and perhaps text files. However, we found a couple of executable files for Windows, Linux, uh, Mac OS, and so on. And we didn't expect to find such things there. For example, one example is a package that can be used to compare files and see the differences between them. And as a testing sample set, it includes a variety of executable and non-executable file formats. So our engine, when it scanned uh, all those files, it identified them. And we found, like I said, a bunch of executable files, uh, even additional archives, document files, and so on. So what's going on there? Is it hiding a different type of file from what people are expecting to see to try to throw people off the trail? This isn't related to malicious packages we found. This I is see. Uh, this is related to the entire package repository. One of the packages which was f scanned but was not malicious was this like a file compare package, which included as its own uh, test data set a large amount of executable files for Windows, for uh, Linux, for OS X and so on to be used to to check, like a, to do a sanity check if the comparisons work as they should. We didn't expect to find executable content apart from Python scripts in PyPI. Our thanks to Robert Perissa from Reversing Labs for joining us. The research is titled Supply Chain Malware, Detecting Malware in Package Manager Repositories. We'll have a link in the show notes. And now a word from our sponsor, Six Sense. Six Sense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. 
With its advanced platform, businesses gain complete visibility and control over their infrastructure, reducing IT and security risks, and optimizing operational efficiency. With SixSense, you'll get real-time alerts, risk-based vulnerability prioritization and remediations, and an intuitive automation and orchestration engine so you can focus on your core business goals. Confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant, and running smoothly. To learn why enterprises choose SixSense, visit SixSense.com. The CyberWire Research Saturday is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening.